I feel impressed to bring the message this morning that I brought on the first Sunday night I served here in May of 1957. The name of the message, I've brought it since then, but God put it on my heart just a few moments ago. And I want to speak to you this morning from Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse 4. Would you open your Bible there and read that one verse with me? Psalm 142, verse 4. Let me read it once and then I'd like to ask you to read it with me. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Would you read that with me, please? I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the preciousness of the Word of God. We pray that we might not be guilty of not caring for others, but that you would put a compassion and love upon our hearts for men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and collegians and children, that we might reach them for Christ, snatch them as brands from the burning. We pray that today the Holy Spirit would move across every person to whom we speak here in this auditorium and by radio, that the Lord's will shall be done in each heart. Holy Spirit, move among us. Call out folks to care. Put that compassionate love upon all of us. And may thy spirit find that one who is without Christ and draw him to Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Today we're living in a world and in an age when men think mostly of themselves. Very few take seriously the fact related in Genesis that we are our brother's keeper. We go up and down the land today and find men and women and boys and girls afraid. They look on their right hand and on their left and refuge fails them and they cry out from their souls. No man cares. Nobody really cares whether I live or die, whether I go to heaven or go to hell. Who really cares? Years ago, I served with the Home Mission Board in Washington State. We were in Pasco and Kennewick and Richland. We were forming churches and building a foundation for church there in that Northwest Pioneer area. One morning on the way to Bible school, I passed a little Oriental boy and with those slanted eyes, He looked into my heart and he said, Mr. Would you buy a newspaper? He's trying to make some money. Well, I bought the newspaper and then I said to him, fellow, I'd like to invite you to come to Bible school. The little boy said, what's a Bible school, mister? Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus, how to go to heaven when we die. And that little boy said, mister, who is Jesus? Some time ago, I was in a revival meeting on, in a town on the Ohio River. I went out to visit one afternoon, 
went back behind a house and there were some kids playing. And we talked to them, invited them to Bible school. And there was one little boy, his name I found out was Bernie. <clears throat> and Bernie didn't have any shoes on, he didn't have any shirt on, his face was dirty. Clothes were torn, the clothes that he had on. And I invited him. I said, Bernie, I'd like for you to come to our revival meeting over here at the Baptist Church. And that little boy looked up into my heart and he said, Mr. What's a revival meeting? I ain't never been to one. Well, I said, that's where we learn about Jesus and how to go to heaven when we die. And that little boy said, Mr. Who is Jesus? All around us are people, people, people. People who can look into our hearts, into our eyes and say, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Nobody ever told me. We think that's impossible living here in America, here in Kentucky, here in Bowling Green, that there could possibly be people who don't know what we're talking about. I used to go to school at, so at, at Union University. I was, went to college there. While I, served, while I was there, I served a church in Savannah, Tennessee, down on the, uh, the river down there, Tennessee River. And we were having a revival meeting at the church. And I went out one day to invite some people to the revival and knocked on the door of uh, a home I'd never been to before. And a young lady, maybe 22 or 23, came to the door. And I, I said, I'm Richard Oldham from over to Baptist Church and we're having a revival meeting and I'd like to just come by and invite you to come and talk to you a minute about Jesus. Well, she said, I'm not interested. I won't come, but you can come in. So I went in, sat down for a little while and talked to her from the Bible about how to be saved. She said, I'm just not interested. I wouldn't come at all, not planning to come. You can, you're welcome to talk with me, but I'm not gonna come and I wouldn't come at all. So after a little while, we, we talked and, and uh, I got up to leave. Felt a little bit defeated. And then she said, Mr. I'm not coming, not even interested. I don't know anything about what you're doing. I don't know anything about Jesus, but I want to tell you this. If you could get the meanest woman in this town to come to that revival meeting, I'll come. <laughs> well, I said, who is the meanest woman in this town? She said, she's my mother-in-law. If you can get her to come, I'll come. Well, I left, and she had told me where she lived. I went out and got another preacher to go with me. <laughs> and I drove down that old road and stopped in front of a house that looked like it hadn't been painted for 40 years. As I walked up toward the house, a black cat crossed the way, and I knocked on the door, and a little crack came in the door, just a little crack. And I saw some old eyes looking out at me. And I said, how do you do? I'm Richard Oldham from the Baptist Church. Bang, went the door right in my face. She slammed it. <clears throat> I left. But God laid that woman on my heart. It was winter. I drove back out there. 
stopped my car in front of that house. Well, I went up and knocked on the door. And I was sort of bold then, sometimes I am now. And that little crack came in the door again. And I saw those old eyes looking out at me and I put my foot right in the door and I said, I'm Richard Oldham and I want to come in and talk to you about Jesus. She didn't say anything. I pushed the door open. I went in and there was an old pot-bellied stove in there. And she went over and sat in a chair behind that stove and I dragged a chair up and sat down beside her. And I opened my Bible and I tried to show her how much God loved her. I gave her God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And she just sat, sat and stared at that stove and didn't say a word to me. Didn't make a move, didn't look at me, didn't say anything. Just stood and looked at, just sat and looked down at that, that stove. Finally, I got down on my knees on that old floor and I asked Jesus to save her. She didn't say a word. I left. Months went by and God kept her on my heart. One day in the spring, I drove back out that road and I looked on the house, up on the house, and there she was sitting in the swing. And I stopped my car, jumped out and ran up there before she could go in the house. And I sat down in the swing beside her and I opened my Bible. And I put my Bible down in her lap. I put my arm up around her. I said, Ms. Williams, you know who I am. I just came to tell you that God loves you, and I love you too, and I want to see you saved. And again, I gave her John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I said, Ms. Williams, God loves you, and he wants to save you. And I saw a tear trickle down through those old wrinkles, and it fell on my Bible. It wasn't very long. So Nettie Williams, who had lived 83 years for the devil, opened her heart to Jesus. We had the honor of seeing her follow the Lord in baptism, begin to live for God. God gave her one year. I went on to the seminary. One day at the seminary, my phone rang, and they said, Nettie Williams is dead, but she requested that you come back for her funeral. I went down there, and that church house was packed with people packed with people. And they said, you don't know the difference. One year made. She went everywhere telling, her, telling people that God had changed her, that God had saved her. And as I preached her funeral, two of her grandsons got saved and one of them surrendered to preach. And he's preaching in Hardin County, Tennessee now. An old woman, the meanest woman in town. But God cared and God loved her. And I want to tell you, God cares about you. Whoever you are, God loves you. Have you ever been lost in the storm, in the night of, of, of restlessness and, and, uh, and concern and, and worry and anxiety? That's an awful thing, isn't it? And to wring your hands and pull your hair and not know what kind of decision to make. Well, how much worse it is to be lost in the awful sea of sin with mountains and waves of sin all around you and you feel that nobody cares, that everybody would be ashamed to be around you and no one really cares about you. We have people all around us like that and maybe there's someone here in the auditorium or listening by radio who really feels that nobody cares. I want to ask you who does care? 
Who cares whether men live or die, whether they go to heaven or go to hell? The careless Sunday amusement crowd don't care whether people live or die, go to heaven or hell. Those who turn God's Sunday into fun day, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or hell. Those who guzzle their beer and whiskey, those people who sit around all afternoon and play their bridge and their little bridge clubs and play their little uh, devil-possessed cards, they don't really care whether men live or die. How do you know that, preacher? Because they're taking God's time and wasting the few little moments they have in earth, little just satisfying themselves and wasting their hours away while men are dying and on their way to hell, lost forever and forever and forever. Those who waste their lives in pleasurable, wicked, sinful, questionable amusements, they don't care whether men live or die, go to heaven or go to hell. I want to ask you, who cares? Who cares? I'm glad to tell you this morning I can answer that. God cares. God cares. This book tells us in the very beginning, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he him, and there was no image, there was no sin to mar that image of God. Man created, was created perfect. And then sin came on the scene. And man was turned from God to sin, to self. God said, don't do it. Man said, I'm going to do it anyway. God said, thou shalt not. Man said, get out of the way, God, I want to do it. There's an old Jewish tradition that says when God got ready to make man, the angel of truth came and said, O God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his mouth will be filled with lies and hypocrisies. The angel of, of purity came and said, God, create man not, for when thou hast created him, his whole body and being will be filled with impurity and immorality. The angel of mercy personifying the Lord Christ came and said, God, create man. For when thou hast created him, and his mouth is filled with lies, and his life is filled with injustice, and his body is filled with immorality, I'll go. I'll take him by the hand, and I'll take you by the hand, and I'll bring you together. That was what God did in Jesus. For God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Man deserved death. The wages of sin is death. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. And friend, God cares about you. God loves you. Secondly, God not only cares, but God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ, cares about you. He loves you more than I could ever tell you. This book says, and we studied in Sunday school, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus went to the cross because he loved us. I wish I could find the founders of the great religions of the world. Buddhism, Mohammedanism, Confucianism, all those others. I'd like to bring their founders here to this pulpit today. Do you know, not one of them cared enough to die for their adherents. Matter of fact, Mohammed had thousands of people and still to this day has thousands of people killed who will not knuckle under his images and, and, their, and their, rep, their replicas, their, their uh, uh, plan and so on. But God cares. 
And in Jesus, he died for the sins of the world. How much does Jesus care? I wish we could bring to this pulpit today some who knew the Lord in his, when he was here in his flesh. I'd like to bring that woman that was taken in adultery. Very active adultery. They caught her. She was guilty. They, they saw it. They knew it. Most people don't like adulterers. They say, well, we don't want any adulterers around us. They dragged her to Jesus. They threw her down and said, now, now, Master, the law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the sand. I don't know what he wrote. Maybe he had read the x-ray of their heart and he wrote there what was in their heart, the, all the wicked sins of their lives, those Sadducees, those Pharisees, those, those self-smug people, just like there are people today who have sin in their lives and all kinds of putrefying sores inside, but outside they're like a whited sepulcher and nobody knows what's inside and they pose as something they're not. And Jesus wrote all that. And then he stood up and he said, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. He stooped down and wrote some more. In a little while, he stood up and, and everybody that had brought her to Jesus was gone. All those accusers were gone. They'd been self-convicted. Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, no man, Lord. And you know what Jesus said? He said, you wicked woman, you go back to your own ways and so on and blah, blah, blah. No, he didn't say anything like that. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, listen, there's a wideness in God's mercy like the wideness of the sea. And he loves you, whoever you are. I wish we could bring that man that died on the cross next to Jesus. He was a thief and an insurrectionist and a murderer. He deserved what he was getting. And the other thief railed on Jesus and said, if you're really the son of God, come down and save yourself and us. And this man wouldn't even look over at the cross. And he just cried out, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today, thou wilt be with me in paradise. I'd like to bring that man here and say, sir, what do you think of Jesus? You know what he'd say? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Safe were the 90 and nine in the fold. Safe though the night was stormy and cold, but said the shepherd when counting the more, one sheep is missing. There should be one more. The shepherd went out to search for his sheep, and all through the night on the stormy deep, he sought till he found him, and with love bands he bound him. And I was that one lost sheep. Jesus cares. This book says that the Holy Spirit cares over the souls of men. In John chapter 16, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because you believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because of the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit cares over your, your soul. Listen, I want to prove that to you right now. How many of you in this room, the very first moment the Holy Spirit ever made you aware of your need of Christ, that very first moment, that very first moment, you never resented it, you never rejected it, you never turned him off, but the very first moment you became aware of your need of Jesus, you asked Christ to come into your heart. Lift your hand. I see one, maybe two, that's all, three. How many of you would have to testify like I would? He stood at my heart's door amid sunshine and rain and patiently waited an entrance to gain. I didn't trust him the first time, but I had 
he had to appeal to me over and over again. And finally, he, he found me in a quiet place where I could meet the master face to face. Would that be your testimony? Lift your hand. Many of us. Yeah. You see, the Holy Spirit, like the hound of heaven, sought you out over and over and over and over and over and over and over because he loved you. You see, the Holy Spirit brought you here today. He put you in tune and in touch with this service today because He cares about you. He loves you, and He wants to see you saved. This book says that the damned in hell care. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. But in Luke chapter 16, in hell, that rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham afar off, and he saw Lazarus in his bosom, and he cried out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus back to earth. I have five brothers back there. Send him that, 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 that he tell them, lest they come to this terrible place of torment. You see, he cared, but it was too late for him. He cared. He had five brothers. And he knew what it was to be in hell. I read about a preacher in, somewhere in New England or somewhere, announced he was going to preach on, on his subject on Sunday night was going to be, I'm going to tell all my deacons to go to hell. And boy, it got publicity. They put it in the paper. And the crowd was there. And when Sunday night came, he got up and he said, I want to ask, I wish I could ask God to let all my deacons go to hell for five minutes. He said, when they came back, this would be a different church. They would go out in the highways and byways and plead with men to come to Christ. That's what that man in hell said. Lord, won't you send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. And if you can't do that, send him back to my brothers lest they come there. There's not a husband in hell that wants his wife there. There's not a wife in hell that wants her husband there. There's not a father or mother in hell that wants their children there. The damned in hell care over the souls of men. Sometimes I think they care more than we do. What a terrible tragedy. And this book says the saved in heaven care. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, I tell you there is rejoicing in the presence of God over one sinner that repents. More than over 99 just persons that need no repentance. The saved in heaven care. Over in heaven there's a great arena. I think it may be like Diddle Arena or maybe like the Astrodome some great meeting place, bigger than anything we've ever witnessed on earth because the thousands are there, the millions are there who have known the Lord through the years. And occasionally God pulls back the veil that shrouds earth from eternity. And God lets our loved ones look over the battlements and see what's going on here. And maybe a grandmother there, or great grandfather, maybe a mother or daddy, or maybe there's a son or daughter there and they've prayed. They had been praying. Maybe they prayed for you that you'd come to Christ. Maybe they're watching this service this morning. And when someone walks down the aisle saying, I surrender my heart to Jesus. I want Christ to be my Savior. There'll be a great joy in the presence of the angels of God because you come, you come, you come. When my brother Roger whom I love very, very much. Love both of my brothers. Roger had gone to service. He'd been away for years in the Pacific. 
We heard he was coming home. The war was over and he was coming home. Hadn't seen him for a long time. And we put signs up all over the house, welcome home, sailor, welcome home. And you know, that's the way it is in heaven. They're waiting to welcome you home. They care in heaven, they care. I wonder if we care. First of all, I wonder if we care about the souls of others. Secondly, I wonder if we care about our own souls. And thirdly, I wonder if our church cares and could care more in the years ahead over the souls of men. Care enough to give differently. Care enough to live differently. Care enough to love differently. Care over people. Care over precious souls. In Chicago, D.L. Moody was closing a meeting. There was a young man in the meeting and he said, Mr. Moody, could I say a word before you close the service? He said, yes, say on. The man came to the front and here's what he said. I grew up in a home that was a Christian home. My dad and mother used to read the Bible and pray. He said, uh, daddy got sick and he died. And my mother pled with me to take daddy's place at the family altar. But he said, I had a hard heart. I wasn't saved and I didn't want to do it. And so he said, I would stay out late at night. Instead of coming home, I'd be gone till late in the night. Sometimes when I got home, I'd hear my mother weeping, sobbing and praying for her boy. Finally, I could stand it no longer and I left home. Went to a distant city and I wasted my life there. And then I learned that mother was sick. And I thought I'll go home and comfort my dear mother's heart. But then I thought if I go home, I'll have to trust my mother's God. I'll not do it. I won't do it. I had a stubborn heart. Some time went by and word came, if you want to see your mother, you'll have to come quickly. She won't be here long. So I got on the fastest transportation I could, went down to that little village. Mother lived out in the country and I had to get off and walk by the country churchyard where daddy was buried. And as I walked by there, I thought, well, I'll just turn in and see my daddy's grave for a moment and stand by it. The moon was shining down through the cypress trees and as I stood there by that grave, I noticed there was another grave. It was a fresh grave. And I knew then I was too late. That was mother's grave. And I knelt there and I gave myself away to my mother's God. And that man said, if there's anybody here who has anyone that cares for you, while they still care, come to Jesus. And that's what I would say to you today. If there's anybody here that has anyone that cares, come to Jesus. And I've told you that God cares. Jesus cares. The Holy Spirit cares. The damned in hell care. The saved in heaven care. And there are some people here who care. Don't go away without Jesus. May we bow together in prayer, please. With our hearts humbled before God, I know there are folks in this place that care over the souls of men. Oh, my friend, if you have somebody on your heart that you care about, 
you pray for it. Lift them before God now. And I'd like to ask you to get out of yourself and just say, Lord, by the grace of God, I'm going to care enough to pray and to be moved with compassion talk to you about that soul. There's nobody here but us. If you have somebody on your heart that you care about, you want to see them saved, would you call that name before God right now? Ask God to touch that one. Our Father, we pray that just now you would put a great compassion of concern and love and care upon us. That we might love lost souls. That we might love people. That you would so move our church, move believers, God's people, that we care enough to go risking failure, risking insults, risking misunderstanding, but we'd care enough to go after them. In Jesus' name, I want to ask you to do sort of a hard thing this morning. If you care, if you have somebody on your heart you care about, while our organ plays very quietly, would you get up and come and kneel here at this altar and pray for that person right now? Would you do it? You got somebody on your heart, you don't want to see them go to hell. You want to see them saved. Would you get up and come and pray at this altar for that person? Would you do it now? Everybody with your eyes closed and heads bowed. And if you don't have anybody on your heart, but you'd like to say, Lord, I'd like for you to use me to care about others care enough to go after them, to care enough to love them, to care enough to go and try to bring them to you. I want to go down there and join that group and pray that you'd put somebody on my heart. And if you can't come, you have that on your heart, that burden on your heart, just put your head on the bench in front of you and plead with God about somebody. Would you do that? As we humble ourselves in God's presence. Our Father, you see a lot of people with others on our hearts. Oh, God, answer these prayers. Get us in a position of humility where we'll be willing to say, Lord, use me, use me. Help me to humble myself before you so you can use me to win someone to Christ, some dear soul, maybe a son or daughter, husband, wife, Father, mother, somebody, Lord, I plead with you today for that soul. Somebody said years ago, 
without you. We'll ask our choir in a moment to say to sing, I have a Savior, he's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. They're going to sing that in a few moments. For you I am praying. Oh, friend, somebody's praying for you today. While these pray at the front, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder if there's someone in this auditorium who would say, I care about my own soul. I don't want to see people lost. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go on without God. Pray for me, please. I need the Lord in my heart. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and hold it? I'm lost. I need Jesus. I don't want to be lost. Or I've never made a confession of my faith in Christ. Pray for me. I want God in my heart. Is there somebody? God bless you. Oh, I'm so glad you care. Is there another? I care about my own soul. I don't want to be lost. I don't want to go on without God. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and hold it just a moment? Yes. All right. God bless you. Is there another? All right. God bless you. I don't want to see my own soul lost. Maybe you're a Christian and you've gotten away from God and you need to come back to God. And you'd like to say, pray for me, please. I need to get back to the Lord. Pray for me. Would you lift your hand? Is there somebody? God bless you. God bless you. Is there another? Pray for me. All right, God bless you. God sees your hand. Amen. Now, while these continue in prayer, I'm going to ask Jim to just come and sing one stanza of that song, I have a Savior, he's pleading in glory. A dear loving Savior, though earth's friends be few. For you I am praying. And I want to, I'm going to be standing here at the front. While these remain here in prayer, if you'd like to get up and come and say, I want to give my life back to God, or I want to be saved, or I need your prayers, I'm going to be standing here. Would you come and let me talk to you just a moment? Would you do it from wherever you are? While Brother Jim sings that song, come on right now.